Let's take up our Bibles once again and turn once again to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, inspired account of the birth of Jesus, the great significance of all of this, the visit of angels to shepherds and their visit to the baby Jesus, and then they're going home with a new song in their hearts. Look to the word of God. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. It all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them, as far we read this wonderful account of the incarnation of the Savior and other things related to that. We would consider the last portion of the section that I read in about verse 8 to the end, verse 20, and this visit of angels to the shepherds, they're visiting the baby Jesus, and they're returning to their, to their work, to their flocks. This morning, we considered what great things God has done in the incarnation and the significance of his being king over even the decree of a Caesar Augustus 
and his being such a king to fulfill his will, his counsel, that the Son of God would be born in the fullness of time just according to his plan and according to the prophecy of the word of God. God is great to bring these things to come to pass and to bring them to the earth. Greater still, perhaps, is God revealed to be the God who brings these things to to come to pass and to the earth and to us. And we read of something like this, these truths and this Jesus come to us in this account of the first ones to whom the gospel came, those shepherds. And in them we see a great example, in fact, of the good news that's for all people, all kinds of people, as we'll see, that's brought to this kind of people, these shepherds. And we'll see as well that this is such a a power to them, this message. It's a life-changing thing. In fact, it leads them to lead a life, as I'm going to contend in this sermon, a life which is a song, and a life which is a part of the Hallelujah Chorus, the angels leading the way, but then sinners saved by the grace of God and by that incarnate Savior leading the way in the chorus, those who give glory to God for his grace and mercy to sinners. So let's consider the Hallelujah Chorus. Most often we focus on just the angels singing this. We'll do that, but also we want to focus with those double eyes on what this means for the ones who hear and who reflect upon that hallelujah chorus of, from the realms of glory. I want to consider, first of all, that there's this fear that comes to the shepherds by a choir master, that's the angel of the Lord, the one angel who comes first of all to them and whose the glory of the Lord is seen in him and the the, angel, the, the shepherds are shaken in their shepherd boots, and that fear has to be turned to faith. And then we read of, uh, we learn of their hearing so that they believe the word of the Christ, that is, the word that the angels bring. And finally, that all sing is the marvel of this hallelujah chorus first heard from heaven. All sing. All sing, for glory is given to God in the highest, and on earth, the whole earth, there's peace, goodwill toward men. So, the shepherds, can you imagine children being a shepherd, and you're abiding, you're in your field, you're in your calling, and maybe this is something that was handed down to you, this occupation, Often is that way. If you're a farmer, it's because your dad was. Maybe his dad was. So the shepherds are used to being shepherds. They're used to the enemies that beset sheep and shepherds. They were not much in society, but their calling was important. And they would be used as well to raise the sheep, we're told, and the lambs who might be used as offerings in the holy city of Jerusalem. Here these shepherds were. There was a significance about them, but nothing like that which happened to them this night. There they are 
in that same country where, uh, around Bethlehem, where uh, Mary and Joseph had just had their child. And they're watching their flock, and lo, is the words in verse 9, lo, look, look, there's something unusual happening here, to say the least. The angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel's first word was, fear not, fear not. Now, beloved, (coughs) these shepherds, if they were not God-fearers, then they soon became that, and they show that by their fruit. They listened to the words of heaven. I believe they, they were God-fearers, never mind just when they became that. They, they were as a result of this visit. And that means they were doing a good thing. The first thing, in fact, they had this fear of God in their, in their breast. The wise man in the Old Testament says this is the beginning of all religion. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, for example, And it's the beginning, we know also, this fear of God of all virtue and this God-likeness. For God would have his people tremble before him. That's what he makes us to be. If we know God, we tremble before God. Now that's some concept and some trepidation that's maybe lost upon many a people that calls themselves Christian today. But God... It makes God-fearers, or he makes a people not at all. He makes us to be those who recognize the difference. There is God, and there are we. There is the Holy One, and there are we, full of sin. And these shepherds, as God's people, as Mary and Joseph and others around the Christmas birth who reacted well to the birth of Messiah... They had this fear, this respect, this awe, this wonder. Remember I said that was a rare thing nowadays in the midst of all the wonders of civilization. Wondering itself is a rare thing. But here they were, these God-fearers. Here they were, these children of God, children of Israel in the same country of and environs of of Bethlehem, some six miles or so from Jerusalem. And they're doing their thing, and they're visited by the angel of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, there were visits of the angel of the Lord to Abraham and to others in different times. God spoke through this angel of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament... Uh, Wonder of wonders, the angel of the Lord represented God with the people in Old Testament form, an angel of the Lord form, and we speak of this as a theophany, a theological uh, term for a visit of God in the Old Testament, which visit of God was God in his son visiting the earth before Bethlehem. So Jesus appears to Joshua, the captain of the host of the Lord. 
And Joshua fears before that angel of the Lord appearance, just before Jacob, uh, Jer- Jericho is taken. But now here he is, this angel of the Lord. And how can it be this angel of the Lord, and Jesus is over there, born, and a babe in human flesh. I don't want to go much further than that, but certainly this angel of the Lord, if it were not the eternal Son of God, it couldn't be. Nevertheless, had glory about him. Glory about him. And so even the God-fearers feared God even more, but in a wrong way, because they were so afraid, they were so afraid, and that they were sore afraid, they were in pain because of it. And they couldn't think, they couldn't move, they couldn't act out of their ordinary fear of the Lord. This was terror. And why was it terror? If you're God's children, why do you have terror? Why do we have fears today? We shouldn't, should we? If we fear God, that means we love God, and that means we know he loves us, and that means we know all is well, and all our sins are forgiven. But there's something here about this angel of the Lord. Again, don't know who he is. Is it Michael? Maybe that's it. The chief messenger in all this business of the birth announcement to Joseph and to Mary, Michael the archangel, or Gabriel? Gabriel. We don't know. We're not given a name. And he has glory with him. And the people are pained and anxious for their lives, these shepherds. The glory of the Lord is the greatness of God revealed. That's what it is. Like the glory of the sun is the rays of the sun. If the sun ever comes out again in Michigan, it's going to be glorious. And there's going to be this celebration of that that heat and that warmth. and, And we're going to flock to the light and so on. But here is the glory of heaven, the greatness of God revealed in this angelic being. For all, when you've been around God enough, there's something of the glory that rubs off, I want to say, something of the glory that becomes a part of you, not that he is a part of you. But if you're an angel, you end up shining like God. This is why some of them are called seraphs, burning ones, the ones of Isaiah's vision of the throne, Isaiah 6. And so there's this communication of God to these angels, even as there was to Moses, remember, the glory of the Lord shone round about him, and the people were sore afraid, and they they thought they'd die. They couldn't even see. Look at Moses, and here, these poor shepherds, in night, visited, and it's the light of heaven. That they see. And not only is their heart or their, their eyes blinded, it's shown round about them. Their heart melts like the sun, which, children, is between 93 and 96 million miles away 
It has to be because if it goes any further away, we freeze, any closer, we burn up. But here's like the sun, God being too close, too close. But God wants to be close. That's what Bethlehem's all about. And close he comes in this angel of the Lord. Yes, indeed. And glory, they cannot get away from that. God is working, you see here, a life-changing experience. They were God-fearers, but now they're going to understand the fear of God as God's children who know God's glory in Jesus. They're afraid. Maybe they're afraid. Oh, I've sinned. I know it. And God's come to find me out. We can be like that too. If we have any conscience, after all our sinning, and we haven't even shut up ourselves to glory, which is oddly what we try to do. So the angels, or this angel is revealing something to them, maybe of their sin and what they did that other night, and they shouldn't have, and and of the rough language they were just engaged in speaking in some ribald humor over a beer, watching their flocks, and it doesn't say this, but drinking beers around the fire at night. And there's this angel from heaven. Interrupts things, to be sure. Overthrows their status quo feeling of themselves or of anything else. The angel arrests them. Grabs their attention. Glory will do that. The glory of the Lord. The great Jehovah. The I am that I am. Here's another burning bush. And it seems that this glory is about to burn them up. Until the angel says, probably didn't take long, fear not. Fear not. Amazing. What words, and what words oft repeated in the Bible, fear not, do not be afraid. Other ways the Bible has of saying that. Many, many dozens of times, Old and New Testament, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why? We're a fearful people. We need to be told, don't do that. Be anxious for nothing. Don't get so upset. And this to God fears, to those who fear God, but there's another kind of fear into which we can fall, which is the absence of the fear of God. Really, it's this fear of God without faith in God. The fear of God is Peter that looks down at the waves, even though he's walking on them for a little while, and he starts sinking. This fear, pardon me, not of God, but of other things, that all but displaces the fear of God and the love of God and whatever faith we had in God. This fear, this monster which is worse than the monster under the bed. You realize that's our problem. 
it's not monsters under the bed that are problems for us or the fear of something or the other or some accident that happens to us. Our problem is how we react to these things. Not the things themselves, but how we respond. So we go up and we go down because we're just looking around and we forget to look up. And we look down and we forget to look up. Or we look over there or we look to the past. Or we look to the future with trepidation and fear. Fear not, the angel of the Lord says. And especially at this point, this is exactly what they needed because they need faith. They need to be attached to these things of heaven and the things that are going on now on the earth as their shepherding Jesus has been born. There has been incarnation. Great thing, don't you think? They'll find out. There's been fulfillment of prophecy. There's been God intersecting with time and the infinite becoming human in everything that was ever promised coming to pass. Everything that was ever promised by God coming to pass for good. So they had to be thinking now with their spiritual thinkers going, their mind, and believing and attaching themselves by faith to God and to spiritual things. They were having to have what Hebrews says is what faith is, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so there's a word from the angel of the Lord. There's a sermon as we shall see from this angel of the Lord who happens to be the choir master or the one at least who gives way to the whole heavenly host that begins to sing. But they've been led by this first angel of the Lord. And so there's faith here being worked because faith comes by hearing, the hearing of the God-fearers who have ears to hear and who, though they're measly shepherds and the offscouring of society, are visited by God among a whole host of men who are visited by God. So they attach themselves to the word, as we'll see in this point. The angel says, fear not, and then he gives the reason for. That's the reason. Here's why you shouldn't be afraid abjectly and basely and as those terrorized. Here's why it's heaven has come down and I'm announcing heaven come down. And it's not for your judgment, it's for your mercy. It's for God's mercy and your being mercied. For behold, look by faith. Interesting. When you behold something, you normally look. But here, look by faith. Behold, consider. 
I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's the message. That's the message of this angel who then goes on to tell them to confirm their faith. Here's a sign. Here's a sign so that you will know what I'm saying is true. It's going to be verified by your going and seeing it, even though he doesn't tell them to go see it. That's the implication. You shall, this is a sign, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. There's Jesus, children. There's baby Jesus. Not in the holiday inn, in the manger. There's no room in the inn. So they're told here, they're told that this is the fulfillment of a promise that was made by God to David in Psalm 89 and 2 Samuel 7 when God visits David who wants to build a house and God says, no, your son will do it. But in the sons building a house for you and for Israel, there's going to be a kingdom, your kingdom that shall be forever. Ever. And that's why this is the city of David that's so important. And this son of David is a savior. and He's Christ, the Messiah, and the Lord. Jehovah with the people. Amazing how words used of God are so quickly Uh, used of Jesus. He's Emmanuel. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And here he's the savior. He's the Christ and he's the Lord. And this angel of the Lord, therefore, was in the service of Christ. He came from somehow Christ and God with Christ counseling that this angel should announce something as an angel of the Lord, a, a faithful messenger. And here it's announced. He's the savior. Savior from what? Sin. Sin and error pining is that from which he saves this human race that he calls out of the human race, his his own. And the shepherds are those who are in the first row of the congregation of the gospel. Imagine that, here in the gospel for the first time. We go and we go to the ends of the earth to bring the gospel. I hope we never weary of that. And that 2023 will be our resolution to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel beginning here in this part of the earth and going wherever God sends us. Here they were, front row, There is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the prophet and the priest and the king, the fulfillment of Aaron, the fulfillment of David, the fulfillment of Isaiah and Jeremiah. He is what God ever always had said he would be to the people, the perfect Savior who's God in the flesh who is the perfect Emmanuel, just what we need as our catechism reminds us, fully God to bear the sins of the people and the wrath of God for them, fully man to be the perfect substitute, perfectly righteous to be the perfect Lamb of God. Here he is. 
And the shepherds were to believe that word. They were given a sign. They would go see it. Every one to a man, they'd leave their flock in the confidence that God would take care of the flock while they left, but they all went to see the babe, and they wondered when they got there, but first they were believing this word. They were. And their fear, you see, had turned to faith, and faith was hearing the word, and faith was putting it all together, and who knows how ignorant they were. All of Jewry seemed to be ignorant of the main thing, of the nature of the Messiah, the nature of the kingdom, the Pharisees, the blind, leading the blind. But here in this night, with the flash of a light, there was this faith. And suddenly then, if this wasn't enough for one night, and to be the promoter of every heart attack, Suddenly, there was with that angel of the Lord a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, beloved, here you have further explanation of what's going on here. And for the further explanation, you need this multitude of the heavenly host. It must be angels, some beings from heaven. And they're praising God and they're doing what all praise to God is. It's at the first of any song or any sermon. They're, it's the, the greatest goal of their song or sermon. They're praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And that could be they're, they're locating God in heaven where he is. He's in the highest realm. He's above the, he's above the clouds and the stars and the Milky Way. He's in this realm of men made perfect and angels who never fell. And there he is belonging there because he's the God who created the place as his throne room. Could be that they're saying that this is simply how we express that God is most high, he is incomparably God. So they're praising God, who is the uncreated one, the one, and there is no other God like him or besides him. He's the highest, but highest isn't really an accurate road. It's a comparative, it's a superlative. Speaking of the fact that there's others in a chain, and they're lower. He's highest. He's the highest of the mountain chain. He's the highest of the gods. No, that's not even accurate. He's simply the most high, and there are no other heights of gods. No one who approaches God. Am I getting this across to you, beloved? Is it coming to me? Because this is precisely what this visit of one angel and then many is all about. To speak of things that have come to pass, it became according to the decree of the king of kings. And then to make sure it gets to you and to me and to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay, keeping their flocks by night. 
to get it to us is the purpose of this visit. To get it to a people, beginning with these shepherds, these miserable shepherds, we might say. Not much in the social totem pole, but those whom God prefers to visit first. Glory to God in the highest. That's the first thing. And we'll say this. There's a connection between that song, that message of the multitude of the angels, and the first message, the message of the one, the maestro, the conductor, the leader of the angelic host, the one who clears the way by announcing the fact that Christ is born in the city of David. He's the Lord. He's born this day. And it's this. Here's the connection. In the way of Christ being born this day, there's glory to God in the highest. That's the connection. The one angel gives the fact. Here's Messiah. He's born. And this is for the greatest praise of God there could ever be. God who's high in a cattle stall. God who's uncontainable. And his perfection radiates around a thousand universes if there was such a thing. Is seen to be the most anyone and any God could ever be glorified by coming to earth and magnifying his grace and his glory and his love and his wisdom and his righteousness and his godness in that way. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. In this lowest of births. Glory to God in the highest. And then this. They were to believe that. And then this. On earth peace, goodwill toward men. Or we could translate, on earth, peace. And that among men of good pleasure. That's literally how we could translate that. That's just what it says. On earth, peace among men of good pleasure. Doesn't even say God's good pleasure. But I believe that's the reference here. And... The idea is that there's peace, and there's peace among men. And there's peace among men whom God is pleased to make peace with. That's the idea, and we'll see that presently. On earth, peace. In all the earth, among the sons of men, wherever God is pleased, peace, meaning the great term called reconciliation. Here were shepherds, once sinners, and only sinners, and not God's people at all, and nobody was until they recovered from death and sin and error by God. And here is peace announced. 
And here, therefore, is what the plan's all about. Glory to God in the highest, through Christ the Lord being born and then dying and reconciling sinners to God. We sing that, God and sinners reconciled. First, fruit of the gospel of justification by faith alone, therefore being justified by faith with peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, harmony, restoration, the status of not a people changed to the people of God, Jew or Gentile, the status of those miserable in their sin and error, pining in their guilt, now turn to innocence and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God comes to them. So it's glory to God in the highest and When you're speaking about the earth, there's this great thing called peace. The Hebrews would call it shalom. This peace includes all of the blessings of salvation. This establishment of this relationship between God and sinners is is everything. So this is to be believed. This is the word. And... The shepherds believed it, and it came to pass when the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass. You you know this is language here, beloved? I don't know how many shepherds there were, but they were all saying to one another, let us all go to Bethlehem and see the thing which has come to pass. They didn't say, let's see if it's come to pass. And say, let's see this thing that has surely come to pass. We were just told by the angel of the Lord, and then there was a song affirming the angel's message that God was going to be glorified in this, and there's, there's peace on earth among men of God's good pleasure. This, this is true. must be true. We're going to go see it now. So they're responding They're responding for their fear of God, which was then uh, all but denied by their fearing this thing, and fearing fear itself has been turned to, to faith. And they've heard the word then. Their ears were open to reception of heaven. They were in tune. They believed. And they, they say this, this thing has come to pass. And, and look, they don't even cite the angel here, but they say, which the Lord has made known to us. They're recognizing that there's one higher up whom the angel and the angel host had, have spoken on behalf of. God was speaking through these angels. It has to be. There's no other conversation that they're having. They didn't stop and and drink tea and and have some theological discussion about these things and get sidetracked as theologians can do. And to say, you know, I don't know about this, and the sidetracking leads to doubt and disputation and unbelief, and, and nobody goes because they're interested in their theology or the debates about theology or their erudition. 
and not in the object of their faith and of the object of the message of the gospel, Jesus. And that's a danger of all of us, theologians and Reformed who think we know know it all. We were so consistent. Beloved, I love consistency, but I'll say this, I love Christ more. And let it be, as we respond to the word, whatever word, whatever passage we're expounding, that we respond in faith and and with haste too, not hastiness and foolishness and foolhardiness. But that's what they did, believing the message. They say, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that's certainly come to pass, which the Lord has certainly made known to us. And they came with haste, and guess what? They certainly found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. They certainly found that which they believed, which the angel had said, and the Lord had used the angel to say, It was all true, and the message we must see got to them. It did. The message was there, was true. This we saw this morning, reality of God on the ground, now in hearts of mere men shepherds. And those mere men, those mere shepherds, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. What saying? First angel, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The significance of that, this is glory to God, and this is peace among men of God's good pleasure. And I believe at that day, beloved, and after the people heard these things and they wondered at the things which are told them by the shepherds, that day the shepherds themselves joined the choir. Now about this choir. Suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God. It doesn't say singing. All the hymns say was singing. We say singing. We say it's got to be singing. Well, beloved, I don't know. At least, I don't know this, if it's like anything in any way that we sing. But certainly it is this, a song and theirs was singing, this multitude of the heavenly host, soprano, angel, tenor, bass. Certainly was this speech of heaven that's exhilarating because we've been exhilarated. The angels themselves, exhilarated, amazed at what God does on the earth. They've always been interested and they've searched the things and the writings of the prophets and so on. And 
And now here it is. Here's this birthday of the king. And so their speech has to reflect something of it. Now, we don't know about angels. We hardly know if they're persons, strange beings, not made in the image of God. They're not like men. They're not persons, and we can talk to persons, and, and we have emotions, and, and we sing when we're, when we're sad and deflated or when we're exhilarated and we're happy. And, but So what can we say about this except that it's certainly God-glorifying and that's exhilarating enough for me. And so that reminds us that the speech that they're, they're uttering here, this, this, these words have another dimension to them than simply earthly words to earthly people in what we would call ordinary situations. Song is that. Song is this great gift which even Martin Luther would say is right next to theology is the greatest gift that God has ever given. Song. And he wrote a lot of hymns. Mighty fortress is our God. Song. Why? Because song, I think, beloved, don't you, is the language of the heart that's touched by God. The language of someone to whom the message has come, the Savior's born. To you this day, the Savior's born. And glory to God in the highest in that Savior being born and then being born to die and then dying, then rising from the dead and then making peace among men of God's good pleasure. That's a song, a language, the emotion of heaven, of joy, of truth in perfect harmony with the will of God. That's what song is. Otherwise, it's some ungodly rap. Songs. Sanctified speech of heavenly beings. But now, shepherds. And there was this multitude of the heavenly hosts, and there were these shepherds, and we don't hear, of course, beloved, that they actually sang. But their life became a song. Their life became a hallelujah chorus. They would never be the same. Oh, I understand. They go back to their old shepherd ways and pretty soon things would die out. The excitement might die out, but there was something in them now some faith worked which will never be denied. They themselves couldn't shake it off, just like we cannot either. And they were shepherds. And this explains their exhilaration, the message, but that it was to them, to shepherds, as I've mentioned before, they were the offscouring of the Jewish society. They were considered so dirty that they weren't allowed in the temple to worship. Their word was considered the word of a liar. Like we might say, seamen talk and they're always talking rough. There was a shepherd talk. They were always talking lies. Maybe like others who exaggerate all the time about what they catch or kill. 
but these were known as the roughest. To them was born this day in the city of David, a Savior Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest, in his making peace among men of his good pleasure who are just these kinds of men, salt of the earth, salty, rough, gruff. Jesus would summarize it this way, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Striking that later on, Jesus is in a house, might be two years, the wise men come, and they go to Jerusalem, they ask, where is he who's going to be born king of the Jews? Everybody goes right to Micah, Bethlehem, of course. So they go there, and that's about six miles away. But the scribes and Pharisees who've informed King Herod about this, they don't go, and Herod doesn't go. And Herod, he's, he feels a rival king in this Jesus, and the whole city is troubled at this announcement by the, shepherd, by the, the sages who followed the natal star. The point I'm trying to make is they didn't go to Jerusalem. They didn't, or to Bethlehem. They didn't go to see the babe. They were troubled about this. And it turns out, therefore, that that peace doesn't reach everyone in the whole world, does it? In fact, as Jesus would say later, Matthew 10, he came not to bring peace, but a sword on the earth. And this harmonizes with the text here in that he's the one who makes peace in causing division between family members and also in our, in our very souls. And so God discriminates here. He, he has a certain people, and there's going to be peace among those people, but there's going to be war. And so not everybody's going to join the choir. Not everyone is even going to go sit and listen to the choir. And to hear you sing the hallelujahs of God and Jesus Christ and the claims of him who's Savior and Lord. They want to hear it. So here are these shepherds now singing. Won't have it. So rosy. And they tell everybody. And their friends say, you're nuts. We don't believe this, angel. Try to repeat for us this heavenly chorus that you heard. Ha! Just as it is with us. Now, beloved, as I conclude this sermon, here's been my, my goal as your pastor. Don't leave the story of Christmas, the same. Don't. Don't rise up from this church service and this word spoken by a little pastor, just a shepherd, without yourself saying, it's true.
without remembering that over the door of this church is it's important and it's true. And also written on the top of the door is, therefore sing. You sing all your life. Don't be afraid. Don't be hung up by your hang-ups, your habits, your fears, your trepidations. Rise up, men and women and children, and sing. Christ is born in the city of David. Your Savior, your Lord, your peace. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for giving us to reflect upon what you did long ago and the first singers you made out of nothing, out of mere men and sinners besides. Lord, we pray to be in that choir, singing out your praises, your peace, piously and full of hope. God bless everyone here. May we be yours and daily know that you are ours. May we draw near to you knowing that on Christmas Day you came near to us and you're still near. Hear our prayers, Father. Bless the program that we have soon. And reflect that our children themselves have heard the heavenly chorus and themselves do sing. <laughs>